0: So, I was born and raised down in Ketchikan. I have two older sisters, and we grew up in a neighborhood that was fairly traditional for the time. All of the dads worked, about half the moms worked. Nobody locked the doors to their homes, nobody locked the doors to their cars. Families looked out for families, and as kids, you were pretty much free range. You woke up in the morning, you went out, kicked around in the neighborhood until you found someone to play with, and you came home at night when it was dark or you were hungry. The summer of 1975, a new family came into the neighborhood, the Cunninghams, I was 11. They came into the neighborhood with five kids. They left three years later with two more, good Catholic family, and the oldest was a girl named Peggy who was just a few months younger than I was, and from the moment that their banana yellow station wagon rolled into the neighborhood, Peggy and I were the best of friends. Because I was the youngest of my siblings and Peggy was the oldest of hers, Um, And because I spent so much time at the Cunningham's house during that three-year period, it was suddenly like I had little brothers and sisters of my own, which is something that I had always wanted. And Peggy and I spent a lot of time with her little brothers and sisters, and we We called them the little kids, and I'm kind of excluding the two babies who were born into the mix, but the four younger ones were aged probably three and a half or four, up to age eight, and there were also a couple of other little kids in the neighborhood the same age, and so collectively they just became, the term of endearment was the little kids. And like I said, Peggy and I spent a lot of time with them, and part of that was out of necessity. We were helping Mrs. Cunningham, but part of it, or probably most of it, was that we really liked playing with them. You know, we'd play GI Joes, and we'd play Barbies, and we'd set up forts for them in the woods when it wasn't raining, which wasn't often in Ketchikan. And when it was raining, we built forts out of blankets and chairs in the basement. And we made chocolate chip cookie dough that everybody got to eat raw. And this was, of course, long before people worried about salmonella and raw eggs. And, you know, and sometimes we'd set up these elaborate events. I remember one time we, um, we set up a neighborhood circus and we had, um, like one of the six-year-olds in a little tutu, and we put her on a rocking horse and held her hands, and she was the bareback rider. And we put one of the you know little boys in a red T-shirt and made him a black construction paper top hat and held a tiger out from behind a blanket and would growl, and he would poke it with a stick, and he was the tiger tamer. And you know, and the, the parents loved it, and the little kids loved it, and you know, Peggy and I loved it, and we were you know we were good kids most of the time, Um, because sometimes we actually weren't that good, and we would come up with these pranks. Um, For instance, one time we came up with this really great story about a rabid dog that was in the neighborhood, and of course there was no rabid dog, but we made up this horrific story to scare the bejesus out of the little kids, and and the dog was so rabid that it didn't even have to bite you, it just had to look at you, and then... (laughs) You would get rabies, and we weren't 100% sure, but we were pretty sure that the dog had looked at us and that we were getting rabies. And, of course, before we told this story, we were in the kitchen, and we made this concoction of, like, oatmeal and syrup and orange juice and Worcestershire sauce, and we had it in these plastic cups under this towel, these towels. So we're walking around telling the little kids how we think we'd been looked at by the dog, and we thought we had rabies, and, you know, we're going to get sick and probably die. And, you know, we finish telling the story by spraying them with this concoction. So, you know, they're, they're covered in this stuff, and they're crying, and they're freaking out, and they run home, and we get in a huge amount of trouble, and, uh, yeah. So, or there was this other time when um, Mr. Cunningham was putting an addition on their house, and um, uh, You know, the upstairs where he was putting it on, it was all framed and sheetrocked—and but there were still some open spaces that weren't completely finished off, and so I sat next to one space where I could kind of get my hand behind a wall where they couldn't see the little kids, and Peggy sat next to me, and we sat them in a row in front of us, and we made up this story about a guy who'd escaped from prison, and you know, there's no prison in Ketchikan, but they didn't know that, but this guy had escaped. (laughs) And he was kidnapping kids and and these kids, once they were stolen, they were never seen from or heard from again. And so as we're telling this story, I have one hand behind the wall and I sort of jerk it and then I tip over and I scooch in like I'm getting pulled in and I start shouting, hey, hey! And Peggy looks, she's like, my God, it's the kidnapper! And the little kids all stand up and they're freaking out and they're crying and they run into each other and one of them, you know, runs into the wall and a tooth comes out and there's blood everywhere. And and in our defense, the tooth was loose. It would have come out anyway, but still there was this blood everywhere. So, you know, we, of course, got into big trouble again for that. And what big trouble usually meant was that Mrs. Cunningham would sit us down and give us this sorrowful look with this lecture about how we're so disappointed in you girls and we expect more from you and we want you to be leaders and... So we would fall on our swords and mea culpa and say we were sorry and we'd never do it again until we would do it again. So um, uh, so in, in our house, when you turned 12, for whatever reason, my mom, our mom, decided that you were suddenly lady enough to shave your legs. So you got for your 12th birthday a pink Lady Remington razor. So um, I took my razor after I got it and I wasn't interested in shaving my legs, but I was interested in the razor. So I took it over to Peggy's <laughs> and we... Um, we got all of the little kids, and we lined them up, and we plugged that razor in, and we held chins, and one by one, we zing, 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 zing. We took off every eyebrow of every little kid in the neighborhood. Now, most of the little kids were kind of fair-haired, so when you looked at them, you knew they looked weird, but you weren't quite sure why. And then you realized they had no eyebrows, and so... And that that time, that's when we knew we went too far. Because not only did we get the lecture, like, we're so disappointed and we expect more from you, but Mrs. Cunningham made us put on T-shirts and shorts, and she went and found a bag of... Of Avon lipstick samples. Anybody remember that? Little white tubes. That stuff is like indelible, right? Um, and, a, and a handful of permanent markers. And we had to sit in our shorts and our t-shirts and the little kids one by one got to take turns writing whatever they wanted on us wherever they wanted for as long as they wanted to. So we were... You know, we, we wore our, our um, scarlet badges of shame for quite a while, because that like, no matter how long the scrubbing went on, that lipstick never came off for weeks, it felt like. So, um, yeah, going too far. So, I have two boys of my own now. They're 12 and a half and 14, and they're out there somewhere. Tate, Luca, hi. <laughs> Look, at your mom on stage. Right? <laughs> so, um, Every day they hear that their mother is perfect because that's what I tell them. But I think that for the first time they're probably hearing that when their mom was their age, she was a bit of a prankster and that they actually might need to be a little bit worried because maybe she still is. Thank you.